grab your Bible and turn to Psalm 22. And Lord, give me a voice. It's a problem with two services. If you shout too hard in the first, you might not have it left for the second. Psalm 22. Now this is really a messianic psalm, okay? So here we go. Psalm 22, verse 1. Jesus cried this from the cross, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. God, I'm going through incredible suffering and an incredible trial, but one thing I know, you are holy and you are enthroned on the praises of Israel or on the praises of your people. And this term inhabit here really, really means to sit down with, to remain with. How many of you want God to sit down with you? Not just to visit, but to make his habitation with you. I want Fountain of Life to be like that. Not just a place where God visits and we have good revivals, but a place where he inhabits. And when you come on the property, you feel the glory. When you get in our services, you feel the glory. Because things change. You know, Ruth Heflin used to say, Worship until the spirit of praise comes and praise until the glory comes. And when the glory comes, stand. And stand in the glory and let God do what he wants to do. So I began thinking about praise this morning as, and it was really stirring up in my spirit because I want our church to be a powerful and dynamic church of worship and praise, right? I mean, we've kind of been known for that, but uh, I'm bringing us back to the original blueprint, okay? Let, let's become a house of worship. Amen? Let's become a house of worship. Hallelujah. And I really think of it in three ways. First of all, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and then into his courts with So we can look at praise and worship as past, present, and future. And in the past, there's something that we could thank God for. There's not a one of us in this building this morning who, who, who doesn't have something to thank God for. I mean, you're here. Your car worked. Or someone's did. It brought you here. You're awake, I think. You're ambulatory. Blood's moving. You're breathing. You woke up this morning. You're living still in a free country where you can worship God this morning. Come on, some of y'all are saved. <laughs> some of you have been blood washed. Some of you filled with the Holy Ghost. Some of you moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Some of you have been healed in your body. Some of you have been delivered from Satan's power. Come on, you have something to thank God for. Amen? We have something we can thank Him for. Even on the worst of days, we can still enter into His courts with 
thanksgiving. And then I think praise has a current present tense uh, action. And that, you know, because when God spoke to Moses from the burning bush, he dropped a huge word on him. He said, Moses said, Lord, who shall I say that sent me? You know, God was sending him on mission. And he says, well, who's going uh, to believe me, Lord? Who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell them that yod heh vav has sent you. The four-letter word of God that the Jews will not pronounce. We translated it in the old King James as Jehovah because we're trying to find consonants to go with those vowels. Modern scholars mainly call it Yahweh, trying to find consonants to go with those vowels or vowels to go with those consonants. The name of God, which means I am or I've heard it said, I will be who I will be. So Moses, when you get before Pharaoh, just know that I'm in the present tense. Just as I'm with you now, I'll be with you when you get there. And I will be everything to you that I am now. Oh, glory to God. That means God lives in the present tense. He lives in the now. Now is the time to worship him. He doesn't live in the future or the past, though he knows both. He lives in the present. Now is the time to worship him. Maybe some of y'all came in this morning and thinking, well, these guys are excited. That's good for them, but I'm going to wait till revival come. And you're waiting till then to worship him. Well, I want to challenge you. Don't wait till then. Do it now. Give him everything you have now. Press in now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Press in now. And you never know what tomorrow holds. Press in now. When you come to church, determine I'm coming to worship. I'm coming to press in. And I'm not waiting. See, and we're a Pentecostals. I'll preach on us. We're bad for this. We follow emotion. And our faith follows emotion, and our praise follows emotion. So well, when you make the chill bump stand up on me, Pastor Hans, that's when I'll shout you down, or that's when I'll praise. Whereas I think you've got it backwards. I think you should praise as an act of faith. And then emotion might follow after that, but even if emotion doesn't follow, I'm still going to praise him. Come on, somebody. We love to feel God's presence, absolutely, and it's tangible, and it's real. But even if I don't feel that, I'm still coming to praise Him. Because some people let, you know, I said this morning, some people let a a toilet that won't flush steal their joy. (laughs) Or they let, you know, a limb fell on your car, therefore you cannot worship today because you're ticked off, bless God. Don't let those, it's good to see you folks, hallelujah. Don't let those things stop you from worshiping God because you're not worshiping Him based on feelings or circumstances. You're worshiping Him because He is who He says He is and He's in the present tense ready to move right now on your behalf. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Well, let's go one step further. I believe praise has a third aspect, and that is it's future in a way. And what do I mean by that? Some of you are praying about something in your life. 
Some of you are believing God. Some of you are believing God for all your family to be saved. Some of you are believing for a healing in your body. Some of you are believing for maybe a financial breakthrough in your life. Or somebody's believing to be set free of something. And, and you're saying maybe, well, Lord, when you do that, I'll really give you everything. I might even join the church. If you'll do all that. Well, how about let's, let's reverse that. How about you praise Him now for what you're believing Him to do in the future and you praise Him by faith. That's what I call a sacrifice of praise. We're coming in and I'm going to praise Him just, I'm going to praise Him as if He's already saved all of my family. I'm going to praise Him as if He's already given me so much money I don't know what to do with it. I'm going to praise Him as if He's already healed my body and I'm just going to slip into the future and shout it right now. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh yeah. He inhabits the praise of his people. So in the Bible, in the book of Matthew chapter 21, Jesus rides into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. Y'all remember the story maybe. And as he comes in, we call it the triumphal entry. And the Bible says the children were praising him and crying out Hosanna to the son of David when he comes into the city. And what did the religious people do? Well, first of all, it said people were healed and the whole city was shaken. But then the religious people got mad. Because a real move of God makes a religious spirit mad. Because it doesn't fit within our box or our paradigm of how God, this thing should operate. Look how many times Jesus went into the synagogue and healed someone on the Sabbath day and the ruler of the synagogue got ticked off. He told, at one point he says, you have six days in which you can heal people. <laughs> Don't be bringing that stuff to church. So what did Jesus do then? In Matthew's account, he comes in and the city is moved. And then it says he goes in and he cleans out the temple. He clears out those who were defrauding God's people. He takes a whip and he kicks over the money changers' tables and he whips them out of the temple. And he stands up and he quotes Isaiah 56 and he says, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Now, Isaiah says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And in that same passage, he said, there's coming a day when the eunuch will no longer say, I'm a dry tree. And the foreigner will have a place in the house of God. What Isaiah was seeing is that there's coming a day prophetically in the future when God's going to open up the gates of His presence to more than just the Jewish people. And there were two classes of people who could not go into the temple and worship. One was the foreigners. Number two were eunuchs. They couldn't go into the presence of God. So when Jesus goes into the temple and cleans out the money changers, He was doing that in the court of the Gentiles. And according to Josephus, there was, a, there was a marker in the court of the Gentiles warning no one could pass beyond that or it would be a penalty of death. 
So the, the outsiders could come to the court of the Gentiles, but no further. And I see it all as a prophetic act. What Jesus did is he cleaned out the court of the Gentiles. And he's made, he's, it was a prophetic act making a way for all nations and all peoples to be able to approach the throne room of God and experience the presence of God. Why am I saying all that in the context of worship? Because in the Old Testament, the only people who could worship were the Jews. But now we're living in a new era when God's saying, I'm sending my spirit all across the land to every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And all of those who want can make their way into the very throne room of God and worship Him in His presence and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Yet in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you had to come before the priesthood. You had to go through sacrifices. And uh, the three veils and only one guy could get into the very throne room of God once a year but when Jesus was crucified the Bible says the veil of the temple was torn in two meaning that thing that separated us from the presence of God another prophetic symbol showing that now all peoples come on raise your hand and say I'm an all people all people can come into the very presence of God and experience God in a personal dynamic dynamic way and I'm telling you praise is the highway praise is the pathway into the very presence of God somebody shout amen oh hallelujah come on somebody punch your neighbor say he's talking to you so let me walk through some psalms here psalm 33 verse 3 sing unto him a new song. Psalm 30. Sing unto him a new song. Why a new song? Why not an old song? Is it wrong to sing old songs? No, it's not wrong to sing old songs. Sometimes I like to sing old songs. I used to get up and sing all the time, uh, Glory, Glory. Since I laid my... And it really meant something to me because it's the first song I ever heard in church. And I, get, I sing it. You'll, you'll hear, still hear me sing it. I love to sing it. But one day, a couple in this church came up to me, who I love dearly, and they said, Pastor, when you sing that, man, we get behind you. We clap our hands. The song doesn't mean anything to us, but we get behind you, Pastor. <laughs> And I realized it didn't mean to them what it meant to me because I got saved. We often couch music in nostalgia. And it takes us back to an experience we had. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good sometimes. But we remember the 70s, bless God. <laughs> or I remember the 80s. My kids would laugh at me. Sometimes I would turn on Integrity Hosanna. I used to have the cassette tape. My refuge and turn it on. Dun, 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 the DX7s and the chorus Stratocasters. And I love it because that's the, that's the cassette I learned to worship God listening to. I would drive back and forth to college and listen to that cassette and I learned to worship God with that cassette. So it's still precious to me. And I thought, man, I've lost the cassette. 
then I realized, oh, yeah, there's Apple Music and there's iTunes and there's YouTube. So, But here he's saying, singing to him a new song. Why a new song? Because God is a God of creativity. Have you ever been any, around any artistic people? I mean, have you been around a real musician who's like hearing it all the time? And their mind is just constantly hearing it, hearing sounds. They're creative. Have you ever been around someone who wants to redecorate the house all the time? <laughs> Men? Maybe your wife is creative. You ever been around artsy people? They're different. I remember the first time I took my daughters to a guitar store. We stood outside the door and I said, listen, these people are going to look a little bit different. We might see some tats and gauges and dreads and all that. They're artistic people. It might be a little bit different, but it's all right. You're going to be all right. God is artistic. He created and put in us creativity. And he says, I want a new song sometimes. Now let me tell you how I interpret that. Let me push it one step further. Paul said, I will pray with my mind and I will pray with my spirit. And mind in Greek is noose. I'll pray with my understanding. I'll pray in a way that I can understand and verbalize. But then he says, I will pray in pneumati. I'll pray in the Holy Spirit. This is the way I interpret it. I will pray in a language, in my language. And I will pray prayer requests that I understand. Or I'll pray scripture that I understand. But then there's a point when I'll step out of my mind. And I pray in unknown tongues that God gives me the ability to pray in. Then he says, I will sing with my mind, and I will sing in the pneumati, in the spirit. And this is my interpretation of it. I'll sing songs I know. Nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. What a beautiful worship song that is. Singing straight to the Lord. There's nothing else I want, God, but you. That's singing with my mind. But then I'll step out of that and I'll start singing in tongues. Or I'll start singing songs that haven't been written yet. And when we reach those lulls in worship in our church, that's your clue to enter into the realm of the Spirit and begin singing a new song. I remember years ago in the 90s, I was uh, invited to, early 90s, I was invited to Oral Roberts University to go to one of Oral Roberts conventions. And so I'm in the uh, basketball arena with maybe uh, three to 4,000 pastors, and we're all there, and they're singing worship. They were singing the modern worship music of the day. And then they would hit a lull in the worship, and I started hearing everyone sing in tongues. I'd never experienced that in my life. I came from a very small little hole in his church, and I heard people singing in tongues all over that congregation, and it was all in harmonies, all in unity, and it sounded like what I imagined heaven would sound like. It was one of the most beautiful things ever. 
So you can sing in the Spirit just as you pray in the Spirit. Okay, let let me contextualize this. At Fountain of Life on Sunday mornings. Even in the 11 o'clock service. You can pray in the Spirit and you can sing in the Spirit. Let it go. You say, but Hans, what if you're out of order? We'll sit you down. I mean, there is an order, and if you're out of order, if you're the only one over here acting crazy, maybe you're out of order. There's a constant, there's a, there's a flow of the Holy Spirit where everybody moves kind of as a pack. I don't know, you just notice it. And we move together. It's why when there's a message in tongues, you'll see that message come out and the church goes silent. I've seen it happen a gazillion times. And then an interpretive word comes forth in the order of the Spirit. Same thing with singing in tongues. If you get up here and sing in tongues loudly at the altar while I'm preaching, we will carry you out because it's out of order. But there is a natural flow of the Spirit that happens. That when we move out of songs we know, we can move into new songs we don't know. So I encourage you, press into that. Press into that. And you say, but what if I can't sing? I'm always off key. We'll just sing a little bit lower than the rest of us. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Yes, somebody shout amen. Come on, sing to the Lord with a new song. song. It's scriptural. Number two, Psalm chapter 95. The Bible says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us sing to the Lord and let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. What does shout mean? It means to lift up your voice and give God a shout. You can do that during worship. Well, evidently the Jews were doing it. What are we, the chosen frozen? Why can't, if the Jews worship that way, why can't we shout unto the Lord? We can just sing the song, shout to the Lord, but don't do it in church. No, come on. On the count of three, let's just shout to the Lord. One, two, three. (laughs) Yeah, hallelujah. Sing to the Lord a... And shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. I I played high school basketball, and you know, we lost some games. And when we would lose, it wasn't fun to be in the locker room because we all went to the locker room like... Somebody's getting cussed out. Somebody's getting blamed. Everybody's mad. We're sad. But we won a few games. And those we won, it was awesome to be in the locker room. Because we were on the winning side of the scoreboard and we came to the locker room. Everybody's high-fiving. Why? Because we were on the winning side. We, I'm going to tell you something spiritually. Jesus already won. He already defeated Satan. He's already won the battle through the victory of the cross, through the victory of the resurrection. And if you and I are on His team... Come on, how many's on his team? Let me see your hand. If you're on his team, why can't you shout because you've already won the victory? Oh, 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, all right, all right. Bible says in Psalm 47, 1, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Did you know it's okay to clap your hands in church? It's even better if you clap on rhythm. But we'll forgive you if you don't. Jesus in this house. Come on in. Okay, here's white church. Here's not white church. So you see me lead you into that. Sometimes when I start clapping, I give you a big, huge hint. Clap your hands, all you people. Put your hands together. Come on. You can clap your hands in church, in worship. Oh, hallelujah. Let's go to the New Testament for one verse. 1 Timothy 2.8. I desire that all men pray, lifting up holy hands without that wrath and doubting. So evidently it was a Jewish practice to pray with your hands lifted up. Did you know it's okay to lift your hands in church? It's okay to lift your hands. Come on, can, can you do that with me? It's okay to lift your hands in church. When I first started going to church, it was one of the most difficult things ever to raise my hands. I don't know what it was. I was not free, too embarrassed. I thought, what are we doing? And so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a pass. Okay. And, and tell you, you can start, you can start with half mast if you want to here. <laughs> totally fine. We, we realize where you're at. All right. Or even if you can't do that and you just kind of do this, it's fine too. <laughs> or as Tim Hawkins says, carry the, carry the TV. But you can also get totally free and just lift it up. Okay, so you can sing a new song, you can shout, you can clap, and you can lift your hands in church. All part of the worship experience that we believe in. And I'm just, I'm just telling you this because I know we got a lot of people coming from a lot of different angles or maybe you were unchurched and you're, we're the first church you've ever been to and we're so thrilled you're here, but I want to set you free in your worship. Yeah. Now I'm going to really push you over the edge. Psalm 149, let them praise His name in the dance. 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 You mean dancing was a form of worship? Yes, it was a form of worship. Well, that was for the Jews, not for us. Baloney. It's for us more, more so. We're now spirit-filled people with the Holy Ghost living in us. We should be able to dance all the more during worship. 
Well, I see dancing in two ways. Number one, you can dance under the unction of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God can drop on you and you can dance. I don't know if you've ever experienced God that way, but man, I have, and it's amazing. Just a spirit. Just shake. I've been shook, rolled, drunk, driven home. I, I thought if someone had had a hidden, if I'd have been on like hidden camera, at my house sometimes they thought I was crazy as a bat because man I've just been like lightning go through me with the power of God and and, and that you can praise and dance under the unction of the spirit however you can also dance just as an act of worship without feeling the unction of the Holy Ghost and you said no no hold on we're getting weird now Hans well do you clap only when you feel the unction leading you to clap or do you clap just because you're worshiping? Or do you raise your hands only when you just feel God shake you? Or do you raise your hands just out of obedience to worship Him? You can dance in the same way. Now when you dance, you shouldn't be sensual. You should be wearing decent clothes, which you should wear anyhow. And you're not dancing for show for other people to look at you. You're dancing before the Lord. But you can start dancing before the Lord as an act of your worship. Can you do that in church? Absolutely. You can do it in church. So years ago, I went, I went with my family to, to Ashland, Virginia, to the, the uh, Calvary Pentecostal campgrounds. And I knew those people, okay, the Heflins. And so I walked in one night, and th- these guys, man, are like a throwback. They'll, they'll sit there, they, or they'll dance for an hour or more just in worship. And I was in their outdoor camp meeting, and here I am, raised in a spirit-filled church and all that, and I'm watching these guys dance, and I got kind of envious of them. I just thought, I wish I could be that free. I wish I could just not care that much. I wish I could just get free in church like that. And then I said, well, no one really knows me here. So I kind of slipped out of the aisle. I mean, I slipped into the aisle, and I just started kind of doing this number, just running place. You know? And then I got a little bit freer, and then Sister Ruth Heflin came to the mic, and she said, God sends people to this camp meeting to set them free and worship. And after that night, I went back to my church. I was pastoring in Chesapeake. And I went back to that church. And on Sunday morning, we had regular Sunday morning church. Then we had Sunday night service. And after I preached, I got down in the altar. And I thought, I'm dancing tonight. I'm going to dance before the Lord. And I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just going to turn my back on all the unbelievers. And I started dancing. Then after a while, I noticed a couple others started dancing with me. And then it was a few months after that, I looked out and it looked like 90% of the church was... Come on. If you're waiting for a church to get on fire, maybe we're waiting on you. Maybe the Lord's telling you to do it. And once you get on fire, it'll spread to somebody else. Stop being a spectator in church. Start being a worshiper. Come on, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Clap, shout, dance. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. Raise your hands. All of it's all right in church. Somebody shout hallelujah.
Y'all give me one more, right? So since we're, since we're concluding Psalms today, let's conclude Psalms today. David has the last few Psalms. And so we give David that privilege. One scholar said he should have the last say. So we give David that privilege. So here's how he concludes the book of Psalms. He says, praise the Lord. Praise Him in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. The keys are as close as we get to the horns, right? Praise Him, praise him with the trumpet. then he says praise him with the lute and the harp these are both stringed instruments so we have some stringed instruments on stage why don't you fellas just go ahead and praise him Praise Him with the timbrel, which is a percussion instrument. So how about let's praise Him on the drums, Brad? Praise Him with the loud cymbals. Praise Him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Come on, if you've got breath, Give him a praise in this. Come on, hallelujah. Thanks so much for watching us online. We're so blessed to live in an era where we can come to you on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but I want to close this time with prayer. And whatever needs you have, let's bring them to the Lord right now. But especially if you're not serving the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, right now's the time to do that. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, come in. I believe Jesus is Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I want to change. You make that decision in your heart, then God's going to come in and he's going to do the rest. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. In the book of Acts, it said, Call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. So let's pray for these two issues right now, okay? Pray with me. Father in heaven, I open up my heart, I repent of all my sin, and I ask Jesus into my life right now. And I thank you that my sins are gone, and I thank you that my life has changed. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now. Everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, to meet them, to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online, and I hope to see you again.